You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So, for this, let's turn to a Gemara and Tainus. The Gemara and Tainus says the following. Shmuel said, if somebody decides that what he's going to do is resist eating, not because he needs to diet, he's fine, but he's going to take upon the pain of not eating. I'm going to take on this pain, this fasting. I'm going to take this fasting upon myself to break myself. To, to change, to, to break the domination of my body's desires, to sort of get to the root of, 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 of taiva and desire, and at least for today, and maybe even for a series of days, maybe not just for one day, not just one day, but I'm, you, you take upon yourself fasting. Um, Shmuel says that's wrong. Nikrachote. Now, the word chote is an um, interesting term. Um, uh, we, we say it, of course, during Yom Kippur, many, often, al chet avonu pesha. And if just as you, you just heard what I said, chet avonu pesha, chet is the lowest level. In many ways, a chote is not the worst type of person, but he's wrong. He's, 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 he's not exactly a shogeg, but he's missed the point. That is the way um, Rav Shamshan of Hirsch describes the idea of a chote. A chote is somehow at some point in it, but he's missing it. And because he's missing it, what he's done is really incorrect. That's a chote. How does Shmuel know that if a person fasts, that that's the wrong thing to do, Right? He's trying to do tshuva. He's trying to change himself, but don't, don't fast. Savar Shmuel ki haitana. Shmuel finds sources from the Tana. Rebbe Lozer Akfar. It's a Gemara in Tainus, Taf Yud Aleph. Rebbe Lozer Akfar, Berebi. That means he was one of the Gedolei Ador. Atana. The Pasuk says, by Nozer, v'chiper alav me'asher chot ala nefesh. Now, the Nozer, of course, was someone who also wanted to change himself and wanted to do something real, not just shake his head over the, his life and situation, but actually to import real change within his life. And of course, he takes on this life of not drinking wine, mending his hair grow, as it were, which not taking care of, the, of, his, of, 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 of getting haircuts and looking groomed. When he brings the carbon, now this carbon was an interesting carbon. This was the carbon that was brought when a nazir becomes tame. A nazir is supposed to stay away from Mason. He's supposed to remove himself from what was really a very normal thing that occurred everywhere, which was people dying. And, and being in a home where people die. Today, of course, you know, we have an idea of, of, of hospitalization where the, the dead are in some other place. In the time of the Torah, in the time of Chazal, up until the times that they had this idea of a mass hospital and a place where where caregivers basically 
uh, administered and, and, and very often accompanied a person to death, but the home was separate. But in the time of the Torah, people died at home, often. So the Nazar needs to try to withstand that. He needs to try to be careful and not come in contact with the dead body. So if he does come into contact with the dead body, he needs to start his Nazirus over, just that he's accepted to become a Nazir. And the Torah says that he has to bring a Korban Chatos. Now, even though he, he walked into the house, oh, I didn't know there was a dead person here. It was not his fault. And yet he enters into a room with a dead body. The Torah writes that when he brings the Korban Chatos, he brings a carbon because he was chota ala nefesh. So Shmuel, quoting Rebbezbeck Far says, what sin did he do? What, what, what wrong move did he make? That he needs kapara. So the Gemara answers, Rebbezbeck Far answers, because basically this was a chet, this was the wrong way to go. To, to renounce wine, which was such a crucial part of life. That's what everybody drank. You're a chota. So Shmuel said, if that's true for a Nazir, how much more so would that be from someone who spends days, even one day in fast? That's called a chote. Shmuel felt that you see from the Torah that even though you can think of how this would be proper, and many Christian sects and others accepted this as the way to go. Shmuel says that's not the Jewish way. That's what the Torah is revealing to us. That you have missed the boat. This is not the way to go. Of denying yourself. Depriving yourself. That's called a chet. So Rebbe Lozer, who was a, at one time, sort of a, a, a student in Bovel, and perhaps studied under Shmuel for a while. I know he studied under Rav. Eventually he made his name in Eretz Yisrael, and that's why, of course, he's called Rebbe Elozer, because he became a student uh, of Rabbi Yochanan, and eventually he shared, after Rish Lakish's death, he shared the, the mantle of leadership with Rabbi Yochanan in Eretz Yisrael, as one as the Gedoli Ador, Rabbi Elozer ben Pedas. So Rabbi Elozer says, no, that you're a Kodosh if you fast. Rashi explains, because when you fast, Fasting, denying yourself the food that you want. And maybe it's over a day or a couple of days or a series of days. That causes the Averot to somehow be removed. The Averot somehow become um, softer and they, they disintegrate. Somehow you, when, when you deny your body things, you actually, the Averot that you have done are, are able to be sort of dissipate and you therefore become holier. How does Rebbe Lozer know that? From Nazir, the same, the same uh, section of the Torah that Shmuel sees the negativity of doing this effect because it says, Kodosh Yiyah. So you see, you become holy. So Rabbi Lezer says, I'm going to go the opposite. 
if by resisting certain activities, which is being in a room with a dead body, or drinking wine, or making your hair grow, you are you are becoming holy. So for sure, if you resist all sorts of physical pleasure of, of, of food for a certain amount of time, you become holy. So the question the Gemara now asks is, each one has a source from Nazar going the other way. So the Gemara says, what does Shmuel do with Rebbe Lezer's source? So Shmuel says, the Pasuk doesn't mean that the man is completely holy. It means that the growth of hair that he has is holy. That it's like his hair, a Nazar's hair, like Shimshon's, becomes like a holy uh, pompadour on his head. And we have to treat it like it's holy. And even if he cuts this hair, you can't get Hanaf from it. And we know that what they did with the hair, if you remember in the Pasuk and the Torah, was they actually threw the hair into the fire that was cooked under the carbon shlomim. So Shmuel says there's something holy about your hair, which again is sort of a mystical thing, but you're not holy. The Nazar is not a holy being. Then they asked Rabbi Lazar, what do you do with the Pasuk that, that, he's, that he has sinned? So Rabbi Lazar says, I never understand how Shmuel brought a proof from there. That was in a case where you let yourself become Tame. You didn't take proper precautions. You, you realize there's a room where there's a sick person in. Why did you go in? So that's what you're considered a chote for, but not the process of being a Nazir. Meaning at this point, the Gemara is using Nazir as a template of flagellation, of deprivation. Yeah, it's not like killing yourself and rolling around in, 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 in hot coals or, or the snow without clothes on. But it's similar because you clearly are not comfortable. And that's considered a proper method of change, the Nazir. So if a Machlokas or Belezer and Shmuel, is it positive or negative? So the Gemara then says that, hey, Rebbe Lozer, you yourself say that if a person wants to fast, you need to know yourself. That a person needs to measure himself, needs to determine what he is, because he has to realize, again, the same Rebbe Lozer ben Padas says you need to realize, I'm just going to go to the next page, that's Yid'Allah from Midbeis. What does he need to realize? He needs to realize and understand that he is Kadosh within himself. That a person's insides, his, 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 his system of, of bringing food into his body and all those internal organs are holy. And, and Rebbe Lazar brought a Pasuk that says, Bikir Bacha Kadosh. And Bikirbacha means a person has to realize his body is holy. And therefore, you can't ruin it by submitting yourself to the pain of not eating. So you see that Rebbe Lazar also believes that this is the wrong thing to do. Where says, no, Kasha. It really depends on who you are and what your body strength is and mental strength is. If you are a person that can mentally and physically take fasting, then doing it makes you holy. 
But if you're someone that you just can't do it, you are just, um, you, you get into a funk, you get into, you have severe headaches, uh, your body is weak and lethargic. You, it, it's, 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 all you can think about is the pain of not eating. You can't overcome that. You just are, in that case, you shouldn't be doing it. The Gemara then quotes Rishlokish to say, Ain Talmud Chacham Rishoy That everything we've said here, Rishlokish wanted to comment and say, uh, there might be, a, again, he didn't necessarily uh, talk with her Belozer about it. But he knew that there could be two ways to look at it. Should we be fasting? Should we not be fasting? Is it positive to sort of deprive yourself of things or not? Rish Lakish said, a Talmud Chacham shouldn't be doing it no matter what. Why? Because you can't learn. A Talmud Chacham has a bigger job. He's not like everybody else. Fasting will definitely stop him. And what he's doing is not just for his own personal benefit. It's the benefit of the world, the way the Gemara looks at things. There are certain people who, even if they're not at this moment teaching, the information that they are absorbing and learning about and and storing in their minds in order to teach later is so important that they have no right to, Rosh Lakish says, to sort of fool around with that and to weaken themselves, even though they thought there was a good reason to do it. In fact, Rav Sheshis makes a point even stronger. He says if there's, a, if there's a, a student who fasts and he feels he has good reason, and we'll find out what those good reasons are, that student, Rav Shesha says, he didn't eat today. So instead of viewing that as a great sacrifice that he, that, is, that he did not eat and that he gave his body to God and he was willing to change himself, we look at it as if a dog ate the food he was supposed to eat. Meaning, okay, so that food was not there. Okay, some dog probably ate it. We don't give you any pats on the back. So what we have here is Machlokas, Rebelazar, seemingly Rebelazar and Shmuel. And we have a, a, a Talmud Chacham is somehow in a different league. Again, this is sort of similar to what we started out with today, talking about how everyone needs to be connected to the Tsar of a Talmud Chacham. Here we see from the Gemara again this attitude that a Talmud Chacham needs to be more careful and actually should not engage in the same sort of behavior because he's got a bigger job to do. And therefore, fasting would be the wrong thing. If we take a look at uh, the Shulchan Aruch on this, there's Shulchan Aruch actually talks about this. This is Tuf Kuf Ayin Aleph and Orachayim, based on the Gemara that we just learned. Mi heim hachotim leishev betainus. Meaning, who sins if they fast? Normally, it was the assumption that we'll see what is fasting good. So, 
who is considered a sinner by fasting? Flagellation, deprivation, who's doing the wrong thing by doing that? So, if you are able to get through the fast and you've decided to fast, to, to, to do tshuva, you're okay. In fact, you're holy. But if you're not, you're just a weaker person. And whether it's mentally or physically weakness, that's just something, that's the way you are. Nikrachote. You are a chote. Now, if you take a look in the Beragola here, it says that this is Shmuel. But I don't think so. I think this is Rebbe Lozer. Rebbe Lozer, as we said, Shmuel seems to say, you're always a chote. Again, um, it's possible that what the, what the way the Beragola understands is that Shmuel and Rebbe Lozer don't really argue that it isn't this fundamental debate. It could be everybody admits if you're, you know, if you're, if you're strong enough, you're a chote. Uh, you're not a chote. But Shmuel was talking about people that weren't so strong. That's not my uh, understanding of it. My understanding of it is that Shmuel is against fasting in general. He really doesn't think it's a positive thing. And Rebbe Lozer says, it depends. If you're tough enough to get through it, Yes. But if it's something that's going to hurt you, and by the end of the day, you're a shmata, don't do it. Now, if we look at the Mishnah Bura, and the Mishnah Bura quotes the Mogan Avram, and if you take a look here, Vulomairi bitavonos hayiduim, hamavur berokeach ubekisveyari. So, if you take a look at the Alephir, you see that he's quoting the Mogan Avram, who quotes the Bach. And what is it that we I just read? That there, if there are Avonos Yuduim, doesn't say what they are, certain sins that are known. You want to know what those sins are? Look in these previous books called Rokeach, and the, and the writings of the Ariza. We'll talk about what they, what, what they are. And you'll see that you need to actually accept many days of fasting. Even if you're going to be a shmata by fasting. So if that's true, if the Mogan Avram is right, what is the machlokas between Shmuel and Rebbe Lozer? And, and, and what are we paskening here? that you don't fast if you're weak. Hmm. So there's now two levels of sins. There's certain sins which I guess are very well known and you can't just dismiss them. They need more than regret or vidui or immediate tshuva. We all talk about doing tshuva of course for Shkodesh Elul or during the Aserah Simei Tshuva or Yom Kippur or Yom Kippur. But really tshuva is demanded to be done immediately. But there's more than tshuva. There are certain types of uh, Averot that as you can see 
the Mogan Avram, quoted by the Mishnah Burra, says, based on the these what we would call these Kabbalists or mystics, you must fast. You must be misagif yourself. You must submit yourself to pain. If not, these Averos are going to have their effect on you. You won't be able to throw them off just by doing... So what are we talking about here? We're talking about not these major Averos. Avono Sha'odam Doshba Kevov. Now that is a term you might be familiar with that means Averos that you sort of um, trample on with your with your heel. Averos that you trample on with your heel. That's a sort of not the not the major Averos, but Averos that a person um, tramples on things that aren't so that that people don't think are so bad and people do them anyway now is that like Lashon Hara <laughs> right or talking during Hazar Sashats or things that people sort of say yeah that's not Naveira but then there's certain things which everybody says is Naveira so if based on this what we seem to be saying is that there are certain, when a person's thinking about himself and he's thinking about how, you know, you didn't really daven bikavona and you didn't really learn as much as you should have. There it depends if you're a, a strong or a weak person. But there's certain averot. And if by thinking about not of Avi or the people who died in the Holocaust or the students of Rikiva, it spurs you to think about certain specific Averos, then you really don't have a way out. Then the Mogan Avram is telling us that what you need to do is fast. And not just once, based on how many, what are the numbers of the fast that you need to do. Um, Mishnabur actually, uh, if we continue in the Shulchan Aruch, we can see the Shulchan Aruch when it says a Talmud Chacham ain't a Rishay Leishevetanus. We talked about a Talmud Chacham. This was what we saw from Rishlokish and Rishayshes that a Talmud Chacham can't fast. Once again, and the reason is because his learning isn't the same. But there are certain Averis that he knows about, specific ones, even the Talmud Chacham, who by fasting is going to weaken himself, and he won't be able to learn as much, but certain sins demand siguf. Certain sins demand type of flagellation we're talking about that you must fast so there even though fasting is difficult for him now this seems to be again what we saw before that now, it's not in the Shulchan Aruch and it's not in the Gemara. 
it really was something that was developed by the mystical thinkers. Um, and, and, and again, you can see it's ascribed to Arizal and others about the types of fasts that you have to do. Now, I want to show you uh, some examples of these Averot. Um, I'm going to actually show you two of them. So one of the places to look for, even which is sort of, you know, before the Arizal and others, comes from a tshuva from the Trumas Hadeshen. The Trumas Hadeshen, of course, is Rav Yisrael, uh, Israelis, who uh, has two parts of his books. One is called Our Questions that he developed on his own. And then the second part of the book are actual questions that were asked to him. And this was a question that seemed to have come to the Trumas Hadeshen when he was older, and he had his son, Rav Sachia, answer the question for him. And what happened was that a fire uh, was unleashed in a certain community. And we know when a fire, when the fire is unleashed in a the community, there's very strict halachos on Shabbos, how Jews need to handle this. And um, what happened in this city was that when the fire came out in this town, um, what they did was they dug um, places to sort of like they dug hills and they 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 reestablished certain areas that, that that the fire wouldn't be able to reach. So they didn't put out the fire, but what they did was they they sort of dug uh, trenches to bury their money in and other stuff that the fire shouldn't be able to affect them. They did that on Shabbos. So they basically, as the fire was spreading, they didn't just, you know, go out and extinguish it, but they did another malacha. They did the malacha of Binyan and Chofer in order to save their things. And now that it occurred, they felt, what should we do, Rabbi? I, we, I, I think we probably did the wrong thing. So... Um, and you can see they, they built Gumot, um, and what they did was they also took, they took stones and they, 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 they erected walls that the fire shouldn't be able to penetrate. So Rav Psachia, who was the Trumas Adeshin's son, and this is in the 15th century, the early part of the 1400s, he asked his father. His father said they did in Isser. Because first of all, they weren't saving lives. They were basically trying to save their money. Now, I know there's the famous Psak of the Orzarua, who says that even though the Talmud speaks about not extinguishing fires, but when now that we live in uh, um, with the non-Jews, that halacha doesn't apply for a number of reasons. One reason is, is because if we let the fire go out of control, what's going to happen is, is that the non-Jews will see what's burning and they're going to come and grab stuff and, 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 and cause danger of life to us. There's also going to be a problem that if we don't dis- extinguish the flames, we're going to be blamed if the fire spreads. And even if it doesn't spread, we're going to be considered reckless. And because of that, um, the psak of the Rishonim was not like the Talmud. 
the Mishnah Talmud says that you don't extinguish a flame, even though it's going to cause great loss. But if we are now living among the non-Jews and the, the lack of extinguishing the flames is going to generate hatred and perhaps um, uh, repercussions against us, either during the fire or afterwards. So the halacha was issued in Germany that what it says in, in, in the Talmud is no longer uh, relevant. Well, is, we don't follow that and we actually extinguish the flames. So um, the, the Trumas Adeshin points out that the heter that was given by these revered German rabbis was based on the fact that, first of all, there would be possible repercussions if we don't that could that, that could endanger human life. And also the act that they were doing was technically not an act from the Torah that was also. The malacha of extinguishing is only a malacha from the Torah if it's based on what was done in the Mishkan, that they would that, that they would extinguish the coals in order to then start the fire up again in a better way. The coal need to be, needed to be extinguished in order for it to work better the second time. That's called l'chabos al-menas l'chadlik. But here, you're just extinguishing the fire for its own sake, so it's only a malacha de Rabbonah. And therefore, in a malacha de Rabbonah, the Orzaru and all the German rabbis could say, we should do it. But here it's a malacha from the Torah, and it's not directly related to a, 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 a sakonist of Fashas. It's clear they just wanted to save their money. So therefore, the, the Truma Sadeshin said that all the people that in this fire were building these ramparts, they need to fast 40 days. And the best way to do it is starting from the 10th day of Iyar to Rosh Hashanah, every Monday and Thursday, that's approximately about 20 times, right? In other words, twice a week for 20 weeks. And that would be a perfect time to do it. And they also, during those days, um, they, the nights, they should not have meat or wine the evenings after the fast. And that's also the case if, and he quotes here, the Truma Sadeshan, the great mayor of Rothenburg, for someone who is involved, who, who, who has sex with his wife, and she turns out to be a Nida at the time. That's another place where that is meant to do. Now, besides the fasting, the Truma Sadeshan also speaks about giving tzedakah, but not tzedakah, oh, I'm just going to give money. You need to sort of figure out, based on the Talmud, how much an animal, chattas, would, 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 would cost. Because you're high to bring a chattas. So based on the, sil- the, the, the value of silver at that time uh, in Europe, so they were trying, they were able to figure out how much an average animal would have cost, and that amount of money needed to be given. Now, 
Now you are allowed if you if you feel you can't fast in the summer, perhaps you could push those forty fast days into the winter as well when the days are shorter. Okay, so that is the um, so that's one case. The case is your machal Shabbos. A person's machal Shabbos, and he knows he was machal Shabbos. To answer your point, uh, David, that's not halachas that you're dosh bakevav. That's chilul Shabbos. That's something which everybody knows is chamor. It's not like speaking lashon hara or speaking in shul or uh, um, things that people don't consider significant. This was a situation where you ended up being machal Shabbos. And therefore, you need, and the Mishabura quotes this in Shosim and Shin Lamedalid, you need to do tshuva shlema, which is by fasting. What's another case where this occurs? Hayimishamish im hatahora. Person's having sexual relations with his wife, who's tar. And then she says at the time, Nitmesi. She says at the time that she's Tomei. In the middle of the sexual act, she declares that she's Tomei. So what do you need to do? Well, the Gemara tells you what you need to do. The Gemara tells you that you need to, to, to cease the sexual act. But first, what you need to do is kill your desire because you're in the middle of having sex with her so obviously you are aroused so what you need to do is i guess think about um the uh think about leprosy think about cockroaches or whatever it is think about moldy moldy meat that's rancid it flies all over it and if you do that then that's the way to extract yourself. But let's say you don't do that. Let's say you basically feel, uh-oh, you're Anita? Okay. So you you push yourself out of your wife. Chayiv Kares. Why? She see also, Hanolo could be also. Because that feels good too. And even though you're in, you're, oh, I better, I better stop having sex. Oh, but that feels good. <laughs> the extraction in, in an aroused state is sort of similar to the feeling, the positive feeling of penetration. So what are you supposed to do? No, it's Siparne Raglavaretz. What you're supposed to do is sort of like, as I said, you know, take control of yourself. Uh, put, your, put your nails into the ground and think about maggots. And then, right, the, the, the Ramah adds, that's in the Shulchan Aruch, the Ramah adds, and you should feel a sense of, of horror of, that this has occurred. And also, when, when you're, don't keep your body of, on her. You need to sort of like do what you can to sort of like use your elbows, whatever it is, not to lean on her. Now, let's say, you don't do this. You don't know what you're supposed to have done. Shalom Yoda, the Ramah says. So what do you do? You need to fast 40 days. 
And this, of course, is the Ramah based on the true Hadeshin that we saw before. It just, it's just more elaborate. But that's clearly where it comes from. Now, so these are the examples of the Averos Yiduin. Two of them that are in Shulchan Aruch itself based on the true Hadeshin. That would be Chilo Shabbos and anything dealing with having sexual relations with a Nido or, or anything, I guess, like that. Now, that, however, is not what the Arizal was talking about. The Arizal and others were talking about other Averos. And they were talking about the Averos of Hayyidun, which meant youthful Hotzah Zero Vatola. The idea of, you know, of, 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 of masturbatory activity when you were young. So there is a, uh, a, a series of, of, of Averos, a number of them, which, according to these early sources, a person, if he really wants to do tshuva, can't just feel bad about it. But he needs to fast and fast continuously and perhaps do more than that. And that was, as you can see, in the 16th and 17th, in the beginning of the 17th, 15th, 16th, and 17th century, that was considered what was necessary. It isn't enough to feel bad about it. But what you need to do, despite the fact that you're not the strongest person in the world, you need to actually go through the deprivation. And without doing that to your body, it's not going to be a tshuva completely, even though you're, you thought about how bad it was. That was the state of halacha um, up until the mid-18th century. In the mid-18th century, things started to change. One of the places where, and it's interesting, that they changed in, in, in two areas. And in other words, we see it from people we wouldn't expect agreeing. One is the, from, we can see a letter from the Vilna Gaon. And I'm going to show that to you right now. The Vilna Gaon uh, composed a letter. It's called Alim Lichufa in many places. And this was a letter that he wrote to his family when he thought he was going to stay in Eretz Yisrael and he doesn't know if he was going to come back at all. But he was on his way eventually to go to Eretz Yisrael. And he writes that Ad Odom A person can't just say, I'm okay. He needs to really inflict himself. But not by fasting or other sorts of flagellation. Do you know what you need to do? That's a Yisurin. We, we are talkative creatures. We want to interact. We love a, a, a juicy piece of gossip. That would be a better way to do tshuva. And then he says, because really... By controlling what you speak and working on Shmiro Saloshan, as we say, that is the way to Olam Abba. 
Vizehu Yoser That's actually greater than all the Tainasim. Now, it sounds like the Vilnagon was changing that attitude. So we're talking about a person who, is, who has been Machal Shabbos. Now, was it B'Shogeg, B'Mezim? The cases we read about were sort of Shogegim, right? They thought, well, if I can extinguish the fire, I could probably build these ramparts. And that's what the true Masad, Rabbi Yisrael Yisrael said, no, no, it's different. The person who, who um, doesn't know how to separate himself from his wife is also basically a shogate. How about if a person it has done these Averos? Does he need, and that he's Chayiv Kares for? Does he need to inflict pain upon himself? It sounds for sure. And But the Vilna Gona is saying no. That there's something better than that. And Every moment that you keep your mouth quiet, you will get that great oragonus that the malachim don't understand what it is. Okay, so here we sing the beginning of, 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 of moving away from this. Um, what could be the rationale? I mean, for us, this is our attitude anyway, but what was responsible for this, this, this sea change? In one of the sections of the book that's known as Tanya, it's called the Igeris Hachuva, he talks about, um, as you can see, the, the Achronim discuss somebody who does an Avera a number of times. So how many times does he have to fast? <laughs> For each Avera of Chilul Shabbos, does he have to fast 40 for each one? So he'll be fasting hundreds and hundreds of times. Or a person is Motsi Zero of Atola, when he was young or even older. So the Arizal says you need, for every time a person is Motsi Zero of Atola, it's 84 fasts. So if a person, the Balatanya says, if a person is, has been Motsi Zero of Atola 10 times in his life, or 20, so it's 20 times 84 that would be incredible. Now, he basically comes out saying that, okay, if you've done that very many times, so three fasts. So basically you do 84 times three, and that's it. So 84, if a person was in his youth very into masturbation, so... He would fast throughout, somehow, in his adult life, 84 times 3, 260 times of fasting. And then, to enchuva about it, that would be enough. But then the Balatanya says, In the Doris are shown him, that's the way they were. But he says, If you fast so much, you're going to get sick. You're either going to get sick or get some sort of feeling in yourself. Our generation is not as strong. Now, that means even the average person today is a weakling. And therefore, it's also to, be, to fast so much. Even though he says he's strong. 
on Krisus and Misa's Bezdin. So what should you do? What you need to do is, just like in the time of the Gemara, it was only the strong people that fasted. No one's strong today. And therefore, what you need to do is give, as he's going to talk about, is giving a lot of tzedakah. More tzedakah needs to be given. It doesn't say what the Vilna Gaon says, which is to not speak, but you actually need to do many more good deeds. And he says, the Balatanya says, differently than what you saw in the Mishnabura. He says, if someone is a Talmud Chacham, even though he's done these Averos, he shouldn't flagellate himself, he shouldn't deprive himself, because he won't be able to learn Torah. So there is an amount of money you can give. There's a way to figure out how much tzedakah you should be giving. But what you should not be doing is, is, is submitting yourself to uh, this actions. So the, so the Balatanya, who's writing as a posek, as well as a Balmachshav, is telling us that this is activity that is, is incorrect. One of the students of the, of the, of the Magad of Mizrich writes that It's not so much that we're weak, but that we are superficial. And that when we're fasting, we're in a bad mood. And we think we're great because we fasted. So in other words, it's not that we, our bodies are weaker than our predecessors, but we are mentally deficient in a way because first of all, you know, we, we, we're wearing our, our strong emotions on our sleeves and people that are fasting are just angry and surly. And since they can't just be alone in a room, so when they're fasting, what happens is, is that, they, that they get into arguments. And, they, and now it turns out that they're trying to be better and to do tshuva by fasting. And now what occurs instead is because they're in such a rotten mood that they're getting into fights with other people. Also, what happens is, is that they, they actually chest thump and say, look how great I am, I fasted. And because I fasted, I don't have to do anything else. So actually the fasting becomes a way for them to, 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 to become farther from God. So in other words... What, it, what the Balatanya perhaps meant as well was not that people are weak today, but that they are superficial today. And that, that they, and even if they can go through the grind of submitting themselves to the, to the pain of suffering, while they're suffering, they're thinking about how great they are, that they were able to do it. Uh, there is a quote from, we talked about the Vilna Gon, uh, there is a quote, and, and there's a quote from the uh, the Balshemtov that said that one of the reasons he came to this world was to show that you don't need the fasting, and there is a and, and part of that happens. Because by recognizing what the physical world is about, 
one of the reasons why fasting was considered so crucial was because it's a way of disconnecting yourself from the ugliness of the physical world that's part of the ugliness that developed in you. But the Baal Shem said that one of the reasons he came into this world was to show that physical things have energies and have holiness in it. And therefore, disconnecting from eating might actually be a negative. And therefore, what was the Baal Shem Tov's purpose? There's a way to work on the Yetzirah and to make yourself disconnected from the, the ultimate desire. And that happens through the derech of what Hasidus can teach you. So you don't necessarily need to take the sledgehammer on your body. There is, we have the capacity, studying the, the, the path of the Baal Shem and the Balatanya, to be able to accomplish what could have been accomplished before. And obviously the Vilna Gon in his letter sensed something similar. From the time of the mid-18th century, it's almost become ridiculous what had been standard procedure was to, to engage in days and days of fasting and other sorts of flagellation. That ended up really becoming discarded. And, 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 and here we're tracing here uh, when that occurred. The, um, we'll end here just with a statement, if you don't mind, from that the, that, that, that's quoted by the name of one of the students, in a sense, the Vilna Gaon, the Chayodam. The Chayodam says that what you can do is, um, as he writes here, even though you've done Averos, don't punish yourself so much. Do tshuva. You can cry. But learn more than you used to learn. Push yourself to learn more. Because the Torah itself is a mikvah. And it's like fire. It's a fiery mikvah. And even though you were Motsi Zerovatola and you were involved in all these type of activities, you can you can go in the fire of the of the Torah and become Tahar. Okay, don't eat so much. Yes, that's good. Put yourself on a, a stronger diet, but have enough proteins and foods that you need that you that you feel strong to do Avodah Hashem. Work on keeping Shabbos, even if that's not the Aveyor that you did. Now, what you could possibly do is, instead of fasting a whole day, take one day or two out of the week and fast till midday. Don't eat until midday. That would, would, would make more sense. And, of course, yes, cry. Change. Commit yourself not to go back. But that that would be enough. So that is obviously in the spirit, whether it might not be the spirit of what the Chassidim were saying, but it's definitely closer to what the Vilna Gons approach, and it's actually an extension of Vilna Gons approach, which is to keep halachos more. You were Machal Shabbos, 
take upon yourself that you're going to learn Ilcha Shabbos and you won't be Machal with them no matter what. That would, and that is really what Chaim Kanievsky and others have still been telling people today who come crying over their life that they, when they were not religious and, or things that they did even when they were religious. One last thing that perhaps the, the Sefer Haredim says is that what you can do is take one day of the week and stay away from people. Easy to do during COVID. But one day you, you, you don't, maybe you don't even go to shul that day, you're just by yourself and think about God and think about as if God is the only one with you standing there. Just talk to God. One day, disconnect yourself from things that are going on. And whether you have to go out to the forest to do it, like the Breslovers, or just in your house, and spend that day using the power of your imagination and your belief and what you've learned about to direct words to God. And that would be more, according to the Haredim, that would be something especially that, that, that actually accomplishes more than the deprivation and the flagellation. To be able to just talk to God like he is our father. That takes, a, that takes effort to do that, to extract yourself out of it. But that, in a way, is a greater way to, to do tshuva to really have something other than these things that for us, unfortunately, become just external actions of sort of heroism that, that, that really somehow, unfortunately, they ring empty and they've, they, they, for the last couple of hundred of years. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 